Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Partnership Economy podcast. My name is Todd Crawford. I'm your host. I am co-founder and vice president of strategic initiatives at impact.com. And today I'm joined by Rich Lane, the UK lead for the eBay Partner Network. Hey, Rich, how's it going? Great, Todd. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Thanks for tuning in at the end of your day. It's the beginning of my day, but uh, such is life on the internet. (laughs) Why don't you help us understand a little bit about what the eBay Partner Network is and your role there? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so the eBay Partner Network, or EPN uh, for short, is essentially a global network for for eBay. It's our in-house proprietary network, and we support across various different regions. And I look after the the UK arm of EPN. So really overseeing our team, making sure that the day-to-day activities are are going well, ensuring that our partners are happy, everyone's paid on time and paid the right amount. And so, yes, that's a crude way of putting what I do, but it's it's a, a great role and re- really good to be part of. And how long have you been part of the eBay Partner Network? Yes, it's coming up to three and a half years. Yeah, joined around about three and a half years ago, having been within the in and around the affiliate space for, for quite a while now. I think we're looking at 14, 15 years or whatever. I don't know. I, right. I certainly had less gray hairs at the time anyway. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Same here, man. Same here. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's dive into this. You know, the Partnership Economy podcast really wants to explore the power of partnerships and hear from industry veterans like yourself, kind of, what are you thinking about? What what are you worried about? What's interesting? So let's start with what's kind of top of mind right now. I mean, we're going into Q4. This will probably come out in the middle of Q4, but should still be relevant for anyone. So yeah, what's top of your mind right now? Yeah, definitely coming into Q4. I can tell you that for now. My inbox is increasing rapidly. And so we're just heading into Black Friday. And, and I think in terms of top of mind, and it's very apt at this, this time of year, is, is really value and relevancy. Value at the moment, we're negotiating lots of different placements and campaigns with our partners. And sometimes I think some partners take advantage that it's this time of year and, and there's kind of a, dare I say, a, a quick buck to be made, but we, we've got to try and make sure that everything that we're spending is is valuable to us and, and has got a good return. Um, we're, we're interested in, in the long-term partnerships to make sure that it's, it's successful for all parties. And so, yeah, so value is very much a key aspect of, of, of what's going on at the moment. And then relevancy, it, it's, it's kind of in line with that value for even for the user. So, eBay at the moment, we're over the past around about 12 months, we've shifted focus slightly in terms of looking at strategic verticals. And so within those strategic verticals, we're trying to be as, as relevant as, as we can to, to our users. And so whether it's our brand outlet kind of fashion arm, or if it's our authenticity guarantee sneakers channel, then we've got to make sure it's, it's relevant to the users that we're actually targeting. And that's where the partners come in, because we want to make sure that the partners we're using, we're getting the, the best value and the, and the most relevancy for uh, users via their audiences. Seems like that takes a lot of communication, right? I mean, you've got to have those conversations with the partners. Where are they strongest? What's, where's the best fit? And then, you know, when it comes to those kind of Q4 placements, 
where, where will you get the most bang for your buck? So kind of what's your approach there with your team? I mean, cause it's a, you've got a lot of partners and I'm sure there's a lot of placement opportunities. How do you get yeah. ahead of that and, and make the best decisions? To be perfectly honest, and I'm sure many kind of teams and, and companies across the board are the same. Our planning starts months ago and we're, you know, we look at historical activities, historical performance. We start trying to get what kind of media offerings, media plans are available as, as soon as we can. And it's it's really speaking to the partners. What are their plans? What do they want? What are they wanting to do with us? What opportunities are, are going to be coming down the line? And some partners are either really, really early in their planning or really, really late. But I, don't, I don't think anyone's in between, which causes a, a few headaches. But yeah, just over-communicate with the partners, you know, getting on the phone, speak to them, what the plans are, how, how's it going to work and being being transparent about what our goals are. You know, we've got our internal goals in terms of efficiencies. That That's mentioned a lot at eBay and especially with an EPN. It's every single dollar that is spent has got to get a good return, an efficient return. And therefore, we've got to be open and transparent and saying, hey, this isn't working. This level of efficiency is just not good enough for us. What else can we do? And as long as all parties can be open and honest with each other, then I think that it's a good start to a successful partnership. So yeah, so going back to your question, just open, honest communication and Ideally, lots of planning ahead, uh, but I know it isn't always the case. So it's no secret that media costs have been going up year over year, just, you know, whether you're doing paid search or programmatic display, social media. How have partnership compensations and placement fees, do you feel, evolved? Are they are they going up? I mean... It, interesting. I would say that they're not necessarily going up. I would say there's more compromises and more negotiations and more give or take kind of going on in, in the industry. So as I mentioned before, in terms of our strategic verticals, we're, we're reaching out to some partners that perhaps primarily have been focusing on models that we aren't necessarily accustomed to. So whether it's a CPM or a CPC, for example, but with what's gone on in the world over the past well, near enough two years now, it's meant that some advertisers have pulled out of spend. And so partners can't necessarily rely on everyone that they used to. So they've been looking around. And I say that at eBay and specifically with an EPN, we, we've taken advantage of that. And we're, we're now working with partners that two years ago, we, we just weren't. That's as a result of the types of payment models and the ways of working and, and the way that we measure that strategic kind of budget versus the performance budget to make sure that it isn't just apples and apples against our performance metrics. So that's that's opened a few different doors. It's definitely just being open to um, negotiation is, is definitely kind of bad fruit for us. So year over year, you're not seeing any material increases in placements you did last year, promotions, things like that. It seems consistent. I mean, give or take a, a little bit, but not... Yeah, not I, yeah, I would say it's consistent. You could argue that no placement is ever the same year on year because of, you know, wider factors and this, that and the other. But but generally speaking, yeah, I, I think it's fairly consistent. And because of also the, there's new new partners coming into the mix. So it means that the usual suspects have got to think, well, hang on, how can we how can we show that value that I spoke about before? So if they start bumping up the prices just because it's another year down the line. They've got to show that added value that comes with it. So it's competitive out there. And I think that's probably why we haven't necessarily seen the, the costs of those placements and that exposure 
kind of going up as, as maybe some people think. Let's shift gears a little bit. So what's keeping you up at night? You know, what are you, I mean, obviously Q4 has <laughs> got to keep you up, but I mean, you know, when you think across the landscape here, like what's really keeping you up, causing a little bit of concern? Yeah, I would say, and sorry to harp on, but I would say that value element is very much key to us. That That's something that we are looking into, we investigate, we monitor, review all the time, all the activity we do. When we're planning, we look at what value we expect out of it. When we've done it, we look at what value we got out of it. And it doesn't, it's not always successful. And that's where you've got to have a, a kind of a bit of a, a test and learn approach to a lot of the things. So that's an area of focus. Does it keep me up at night? I'm not sure, but it's, it's definitely a key area. And I think another area that is, is definitely, if I would actually say is of concern, is, is the kind of insight that goes back and forth in the industry, or I should say the lack of insight that goes back and forth, especially at the moment where we're dealing with Black Friday product sales, what's working, what isn't, what can we tell the partners, what should we be telling the partners to help make their lives easier. But also on the same line of thinking, I would argue we perhaps don't also get the level of insights from a partner or some partners that we could do to make our lives you know, more easier. And, and it goes both ways, I think, from a, a network or client and a partner. I think there could be an increased level of insight sharing across the board and everyone's got the same goal right no, no, we're, we're not competing with each other we're, we're trying to get the same thing which is at the end of the day sales to make money and if we can make each other's lives that little bit easier then it's, it's only going to be a good thing you know i know that you mainly focus on obviously the partnerships but you know ebay is not the retailer they're the marketplace mm. so yeah. you have all these sellers and, you know, it's all, no secret in the news that there's a lot of chatter about and concerns around inventory yeah. and fulfillment, uh, getting it to people on time, you know, to be a, a holiday gift, right? You don't want it to be late. So where are you with that? I mean, obviously, you know, you talked about helping partners understand what's selling well, but in years past that you never really saw an issue with inventory and fulfillment like you are right now. So What's going yeah, on you, there? You're exactly right. And, and it has definitely caused concern internally. Um, and so I know that the, the trading team, for example, and all their, their kind of seller accounts that they've been uh, dealing with, there's been lots of discussion and planning ahead to make sure that that inventory is there. And, and it, it goes back to that insight kind of element, I guess. it's The sellers have got to give the, the insight to us in terms of what inventory they have. How long do they expect it to last? And ensuring that the trading team can make sure that users aren't going to be frustrated, that they can't get what they thought they were going to get. And so I know that in the background, there's been a lot of planning in terms of limiting the amount of stock people can buy, holding back on certain levels of inventory over the period. So we've got our hero items, especially this week, that are effectively key placements on site key placements on the landing page and they're going to be the big sellers but we've got to make sure that the users aren't disappointed when they click and see that you know it's out of stock so i know there's been a lot of work going on in the background with the trading team to ensure that the level of inventory is is kind of drip fed where needed to kind of plan ahead but yeah it's it's absolutely front of mind the the, the whole kind of inventory discussion yeah well we're gonna 
see how it all shakes out. Um, we're right, right at the edge here, but uh, you know, exciting times, I guess. So let's talk about some of the industry dynamics going on right now. What's really got your attention there? Kind of going back to, I mentioned about the strategic point. I'm really liking at, at the moment that shift of that, that kind of overlap between brand and performance. You know, a few years ago, it was all very much, we're the brand partners or we're the, we're the brand team or we're the, we're the performance team, we're affiliate, we're, we're this, that and the other. And it, it, it was all very siloed. And, and now for you know, various different reasons, you've got traditional kind of brand partners moving into the performance space. You've got performance-based teams, channels, merchants, advertisers, they're, they're looking at how they can get a performance metric out of a brand buy. And just, I, I find that really interesting. And, and that kind of merging, that, that overlap, is uh, is great, it, it, you know. I think for the for the for the audience, for the users, they're going to get the best value. They're, they're going to they're going to see the right creative, the right messaging in the right place. And because it's there's that performance element, that that kind of that KPI of is this working? Is this actually making money? Then it means that there's going to be more relevancy kind of weighted against that that placement or that campaign buy. So there's that merging and overlap of the different metrics and therefore the different kind of partners that we can work with. And it's meaning that internally, we've got to figure out how we can measure this because we can't run with a brand buy and measure it against purely performance metrics. And so internally, for example, at eBay, we're having to kind of figure out how we can measure those overlap type campaigns you know we can't measure them exactly with brand and we can't measure them exactly how we can with with performance channels so that's something that we're working on internally how we can measure that and and really create a kind of a fair playing field and, and rather than measuring people against the wrong kpis um, but yeah i think that that whole merging of the market to a degree is, is really exciting and also within the affiliate world it's it's obviously great to have your partners that people know, like a BuzzFeed, for example, to have them in and around our industry is only a good thing rather than just them being purely display brand buys. So I think that's also good for our industry because when you're speaking to wider stakeholders in, in your organization and your business, they might not necessarily know some of the very performance-based partners, but if you then throw in a more brand or traditionally brand-type partner that they recognize, it means they can comprehend it and, and perhaps you might get more buy-in from a, from a stakeholder. So, yeah, I think it's got quite a few different advantages there. And then, ask me in 12 months, it m- might be different, but I think at the moment, there's a lot of focus on the, the whole kind of Gen Z audience with your Instagram kind of way that they've moved to opening up the, you know, to, to everyone could effectively be an affiliate partner. You've got TikTok in the market and their partnership with Shopify. And they're obviously going to be moving towards an affiliate partnership type model offering. And they're only going to be attracting that Gen Z audience to a degree. And I think that means that there's got to be some kind of catch up from more traditional type platforms, advertisers to really tap into that Gen Z market. And that, that can only be a good thing. You know, if, if, there's, if there's innovative ideas off the back of these huge players coming into the market, then that's, that's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. 
This podcast is brought to you by Impact.com, the leading global partnership management platform. Impact.com is your marketplace to discover and manage all types of partnerships, including affiliates, influencers, B2B partners, and commerce content publishers. Yeah, you, you touched on two things that I think, you know, are, are really kind of almost tied together. This this idea of, you know, what we call content commerce, these traditionally, you know, display-based business models, large publications, you know, you mentioned BuzzFeed, there's dozens and dozens of them globally, hundreds, thousands. But, you know, I think they've suddenly realized that they have a relationship with their readers that has some trust around it. And they've really started to leverage that and create content that people can use to research buying decisions, learn about new products. And it's almost like a light bulb went off in somebody's head, you know, like this is, this is a good thing because it's far more sticky than just headlines and news that people kind of just scroll through and read where it's actually part of your buying decision or research. And the fact that they're doing that on, on a performance basis, suddenly it became material enough to them that, you know, a light bulb went off in their head and went, wait, wait a minute, this is serious money. And I think it's almost like a snowball effect. You're seeing more and more publishers saying we should be open to all monetary options, right? All, yeah. all ever, yeah, whatever it takes, right? I mean, money is isn't flying around like it used to, and uh, I think well, are on, aren't as solid. On that note, you've got then the BNPL kind of guys that come in and getting their elbows out, the, the buy now, pay later kind of offering, which is perfect for that Gen Z audience. And perhaps I would, I would add that as another key area, key dynamic with what's going on in the, in the industry at the moment, where your, your Zilchus, your Klarna's, you know, fairly big deals and, and they've, have, and they've made some good moves already. And I think I would argue as a, as a type of partner, they've got to show their value perhaps even more than most other partners because they require an advertiser on their platform for the good of their users because the users have to spend the money. And if there's no advertisers, they're not going to spend the money. And so advertisers are going to be on that platform regardless. And so those BNPL or companies have got to show their value as to why we should be paying CPA or whatever, whatever, to be part of it. And I think certainly from my experience initially, they're, they're really doing that. We've got some great insights in terms of the, the audiences and how they can target within their platform. And I think it'll be a good channel to kind of work with moving into 2022. I think it'll be quite an interesting one to see how it pans out. I, I think this, it'll grow and then shrink again in terms of the number of players in the market. But I think the actual value of it will be quite interesting. And it aligns really well with that Gen Z kind of social media kind of market that I'm slightly just older than. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, you know, it's interesting about buy now, pay later is it's not like the traditional, you know, put it on a credit card and yeah. you never pay it off. You know, you're just always making a payment to a credit card. This is a purchase. You might just be breaking it up into two or four payments over four months. So it's not a long-term debt. It's just a convenience that, hey, I don't have to shell out $300 or $200 right now. I could just pay $100 twice or exactly. three times you know, helps with my cash flow. And it seems to really, I, I agree, it seems to really be something appealing to Gen Z. And it's really interesting how the market is shifting to really cater to what 
this shift in, you know, Gen Z is probably one of the biggest shifts in the last 20 years in, in buying behavior and an economic force, right? I mean, they finally, they're, they're getting to be successful. And so, you know, you've got to adapt. You can't just keep showing display ads that they're, yeah. you know, ignoring or blocking with an ad blocker. You've got to find alternative ways to engage them in the content commerce the buy now, pay later, these, these emerging partnerships, which I say this every podcast, you know, being in the industry now almost 23 years, I have never been more excited. It's just so much more opportunity and all the barriers and walls that kind of stopped things from happening seem to not be there anymore. Everybody's open to at least having a discussion, right. Or testing as opposed to in the past, it was like, it's display rate, you know, CPM by only hang up. If you talk, if you say CPA, I hate, I just hang up. It's not worth my time to even yeah. tell you no. Right. So that, that's always just to me, something that has just gotten me so excited in the last five, eight years where things have just started to really accelerate in that direction. I mean, especially just since COVID, it seems like I'm just shocked at how fast things are moving, which is exciting for everyone. Right. Totally agree. And, and I think, especially over the COVID element, it, it's that, subject of value again that I mentioned at the very beginning it, it's all of a sudden there's a huge spotlight on where everybody's money is going from a personal point of view but also from a an advertiser's point of view what are they getting in return for that spend so yeah absolutely and I think in terms of development over the past few years I'd also argue that it's, we're still a relatively young industry in the grand scheme of things and I think it's taken a few years to for senior people to to get through the ranks and they're the ones that have kind of gone through that that CPA that affiliate industry and they're now at a level where they can actually entertain the idea of a CPA whereas before people didn't necessarily know or understand or appreciate it and so I think we're kind of spreading out and therefore people are a bit more familiar with it and a bit more comfortable with the idea. Yeah we're seeing hybrid deals too I mean I think we're going to end up here long term is you're going to have a way of measuring success. You talked about this before, kind of a hybrid of pure CPA, you know, return on ad spend. And there's a little bit of halo branding going on that you got to give them credit for as well. And then the partner is going to say, hey, you know, we're measuring all of our deals basically, you know, on CPC, you know, when traffic leaves our site, how much is it worth to us? Uh, so we can, whether we did it on an impression basis or a, a CPA basis or a CPC basis, when they click off our site, how much are we making? Something like that, right? So I think this concept of CPM, CPA, CPC is really just the payment method, right? Yeah. And everybody's looking for the best performance. I mean, if you're a publisher, I want eBay to say this was a great campaign or promotion or partnership and we want to keep working with you, right? Of course, I want it to do well. I'm not in it just for the money where, you know, basically back in the old days, pure CPM was just, you know, you were just taking the money and whether yeah. the impressions converted into clicks or revenue, that wasn't your concern, you know, because you were, you were delivering pure branding. And uh, <laughs> I think there's, you know, People are kind of waking up to it. It's a mutually beneficial partnership, not so one-sided. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think with that kind of shift in mindset, I think people have got to be open to testing and learning. You know, not everything is going to work the way you want it to straight away. And so having that, either whether it's a tangible part of test budget 
or whether it's just a, a bit of an appreciation that things may not come through as, as efficient or as a high enough return or, or whatever. And just having that, that openness, I think in the long run will work. I think perhaps there's been a bit of cautiousness there and, and people want it to work, but don't want to, don't want to test it. But I think especially over the last year or two, there's, as I say, there's been a bit more kind of openness to the idea of, of testing and well, if it doesn't work, okay, well, what didn't, what didn't work? Why didn't it work? So, you know, a, a bad test or, or a test that didn't work isn't necessarily unsuccessful. Yeah. I think there's been a, a good shift of, of mindset. Agreed. Agreed. So, hey, as we wrap up, Rich, interested to hear from you, who's been a mentor or influential in your career? I mean, you've been in the industry 15 years. You've got some great experience, but who along the way has helped or been influential in in getting you to where you are today? Well, and and I'm not saying this because of it it being an impact, but your good colleague, uh, Flo, obviously is a, a, a previous boss of mine and I, I kind of went over to CJ when, when Flo was there and he, he kind of entrusted me to, to really set up and develop the publisher team and Flo's, Flo's got a really great kind of attitude it's kind of it'll always question but in a really nice way and so it'll, it'll kindly nicely steer you in the right direction but without kind of micromanaging always ask the right questions always really positive about things and just trusts his team to do the right thing. And I think that's something that I've very much tried to kind of take on how I deal with people and partners and the teams I manage, which, you know, trust is huge. But yeah, Flo is, has been there ever since I started working with him eight, nine years ago. So yeah, I, I'd say Flo, even though, and it definitely isn't because I'm, I'm speaking to you on here, but probably, I, and you know, equally, I, I'd have to throw in my brother Rob as well. He's one of these guys that just, whatever he does, works out really, really well. And obviously there's a hell of a lot of nice jealousy there, but he's always got good ideas, good thoughts, good opinions. He's not in our industry. He, he's a photographer and, and, and obviously over the past two years, that industry has just, you know, nosedived to a degree. And so he's gone through his own challenges and he's been great to kind of bounce ideas off and, and, and thoughts with. So from a non-industry perspective, he's always been someone I kind of lean on for good advice. But yeah, probably my brother Robin and Flo are you, you two people, I would say. Yeah. So Flo is Florian. He's our uh, uh, head of uh, EMEA at impact.com. You know, it's funny, the, everything you said about him, I uh, was on a call with him this week and we were talking about an issue and I love his leadership style and you're right. You know, he asks a lot of questions. He's really good at uh, getting through things in a very subtle way. Um, yeah. And, and, and he does have a lot of trust in his team. He's built a great team. Um, we, our team in, in London is amazing. So yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy. And I don't know your brother, but knowing you, I, I imagine he's a great guy too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love photography. So, Hey, you know, we've got something in common. Yeah, I don't think I've got the same eye for a, for a picture as my brother does. But yeah, he's he's a, a good guy, definitely. Well, Rich, I greatly appreciate your time today. And I really, really want to thank you for all your insights and uh, thoughts that you shared. I think everybody's going to really enjoy hearing it and uh, look forward to catching up with you sometime in the in the future, maybe on another podcast. Uh, absolutely. And, and thanks very much for having me. It's been been great to chat and, and just I think these sort of things there needs to be more of it just to open discussions what goes on in the industry really interesting industry that we've got so why should we be talking about it and, and you guys are doing a good job of, of getting that kicked off so 
yeah, it's great to be here. Great. Thanks. Cheers, Todd.